For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned in to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts. This is your go-to source, not only for specific in-depth NFL prospect analysis, analysis, but also interviews with the top draft prospects for each class this year. We're obviously already on the 2021 class, the second episode of the show, and we are discussing tight ends today on this show. In the NFL, seemingly we are transitioning more and more to teams because it is a copycat league, finding ways to create a mismatch with a tight end. We see the 49ers do it with George Kittle. We see the Kansas City Chiefs do it with Travis Kelsey. More and more teams are seeking out that top guy, meaning they are going to be looking towards the draft early on potentially to find that type of a mismatch player. Guys, this class is already worlds ahead of the last draft class from last year. Just judging from what I've seen you guys talk about on Twitter and also uh, in our group chats. Because last year we didn't have a guy go until the second round and there's potential for maybe one or two guys going in the first. What is drastically different about this year's group? And we'll go to Alex first to talk about the the differences between this year and last year's. I think the biggest difference is is you have that like you said, first round caliber guys at the top. We haven't seen, you know, we, ha- we didn't see that last year. Uh, I think it's kind of reminiscent of that 20, what is that, 2019 class from two years ago. We had the two Iowa kids at the top in Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And I think this year you see a lot of the same as far as you have two guys at the top that are clear 1A and 1B uh, in whatever order you see them. They're very differing styles, and it's really a uh, – and I know we'll get more into that when we talk about them individually, but it's more of a pick-your-flavor kind of uh, conversation, just like it was in 2019. Uh, And then you see that third guy who I believe, just like Irv Smith in that class, was far and away the third guy. Like there was no way he was competing for top two in my opinion, but there was no way he was – that there was someone else that was competing with the third spot for him. And then you have like a decent middle group that's not uh, super deep, but, you know, you have some guys that are interesting that I'm excited to see what they can do in 2020. So I think it's actually eerily similar of two years ago what we saw – uh, especially at the top. So the biggest difference for me, and I'm kind of going to reiterate what Alex said, it's the talent up top. It's the three guys that we can kind of hang our hats on right now. And there's definitely two that I think are potential top 20 picks. And then we're talking about a guy that could be in that first round conversation as well. So it wasn't so much that the 2020 group wasn't talented. It, it, it had a decent amount of depth. There was just no guy that you were going to put your hat on in the first round make the argument that they were a legitimate first-round caliber talent. You know, we, we talked about Cole Komet in that conversation. He was never that guy. I like Cole Komet. I liked Adam Troutman. Those guys were never in that first-round conversation. 
But for me, I'm looking on Twitter, and I posted it last night. If I'm talking about just the strength of position groups right now, and it's because of that top three that kind of buoys the middling talents, I think it's potentially a top three position group in this year's class. So like we did on last show, we discussed before getting into our perspective top fives, you, uh, top fives your guys' uh, perspective top fives. I'm kind of curious to hear early on from what you've been able to watch if there's any sleepers or maybe odd early draft crushes that you might have in this tight end group. Alex, is there somebody right now that really sticks out to you that maybe not a lot of people are talking about? Yeah, that's exactly who he is to me. It's uh, Noah Gray out of Duke. I have not heard his name on Twitter. Uh, kind of just stumbling around the tight end, the potential tight end group in this year's class. And uh, and Noah Gray's an incoming senior, so he could be senior bowl potential kind of guy. But what I see on his tape is just a well-rounded tight end. I don't think he's overly athletic, but I think he's a detailed route runner and really understands leverage uh, when when working uh, in man-to-man coverage and. He was looked at a lot. I noticed on Duke's film that on third and short or even a lot of fourth downs, he was that go-to guy uh, for that offense to kind of have that sure hand. So I, I really like him. I think he's someone that, I, like I said, I haven't heard anything about. And I think that with an increased workload in 2020, maybe working on a little bit more of the uh, nuances in the blocking game, uh, I want to see him improve a little bit. He's got fine size, but I want to see him work better as a blocker in line. But – but I really like what I saw. I thought, I thought he's a safe prospect at the very least that, uh, that could contribute at the next level. So, uh, yeah, he's my sleeper that I haven't heard anything about. Ryan, considering last week I, I made a joke that you might not have any Division two guys or really small school guys yet, and you still manage to pull someone, how do I know right now that you're going to pull an obscure school player for your tight end pick? Because I'm going to pick one of the best Division II college football teams <laughs> in the nation, Central Missouri. And, Joe, the best nickname of all time. You ready for this? Forget the, the Rainbow Warriors. You ready? The Mules. They're called the Mules. The Mules. <laughs> Isn't that also yes. Muhlenberg's mascot, too? Probably. I don't know. That would be funny, um, though. Muhlenberg Mules. That works. I'm pretty Mules sure they are. Work. I'm pretty sure they are. So who's the guy that you're picking from Central Missouri? Uh, Zach Davidson, who is a six foot seven, two hundred and forty five pounds tight end, who is still really skinny. I think he could be two sixty plus without much problem. Last year, he had forty receptions for over eight hundred yards, over twenty yards of catches, a tight end, fifteen touchdowns, and I said that correctly, fifteen touchdowns this past season. He's also the team's starting punter. Was an All American punter, averaged really? over. <laughs> 44, 44 so yards a punt, Joe. 44 yards a punt two years ago as a punter. He's the team's starting punter. Has has averaged over 40 all three years so far. Talk, talk about an ability to make a roster for Zach Davidson. Ryan, the thing I have to say about uh, that I love the most about working with you is that it never fails. You always have that one guy that nobody yeah. knows of that is from some tiny school that for some reason you spent the time on. I need to know. I just need to know. Why did you watch it? What, like, what drew you to watching him? I mean, because I'm a nerd, man. Like, I, I go on the, <laughs> on the preseason lists, the, you know, the All-American yeah. list from last season, the preseason list, and I saw 6'7", 245 on a tight end list in a Division two team. I'm like, do my research. Hey, man, 15 touchdowns. He's a nice athlete. He's not an inline guy at all right now, but, hey, right. we're banking on, on traits at that level to potentially ascend. He's got some traits, so. 
Now, when I when I saw him on your list as your your sleeper guy, I was actually impressed because I watched just a highlight film, and this kid is actually legit. I mean, I he haven't been move. able to. Yeah, he can move. I mean, obviously, he's dealing with lesser talent, so you 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 need him to look like a different breed of athlete, and that's exactly what he was. I mean, similar is similar to what Adam Troutman did at Dayton last year, just with that talent that he's playing up against, just looking like a man amongst boys. I mean, his his highlight tape was pretty impressive. If you haven't checked it out, go look at. I think Draft Diamonds is who posted it. And I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the specialist segment done early, Joe. I'm throwing in a punter. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're trying to just weave in guys that aren't actually specialists, so we don't have to actually do the specialist show. You're trying to undercut <laughs> me here. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I, I have to say though, I don't think there's any other draft show out there right now on July 1st when we're recording this that is talking about a central Missouri draft prospect. So if you're looking for deep guys, we have them here for you. Staying away from some of those really deep guys and diving into your top fives like we did on the previous show, we're going to do this every single week because it was so much fun hearing how you guys had varying opinions for these top fives and also letting you guess each other's uh, top fives. For your four and five picks, Alex, you have Trey McBride, and Charlie Kohler, and then Ryan, completely different four and five picks of Hunter Long from Boston College and Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State. I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on maybe the most surprising guy that you think is uh, for the the opposite guys list for these four and fives. Ryan, who, who are you most shocked that Alex has at four or five? I mean, so I, I will commend Alex for a second for for getting Trey McBride. That is my dude from Colorado State. I had him at six. He almost got in that fifth spot. I'm a big fan of Trey McBride. I kind of comped him to a Brent Selleck type of player. He's very physical, strong hands. I don't think he's an incredible athlete, but he does some nice things. I really like that pick. But the guy that, that for me just didn't do it for me, and that's kind of why I'm a little surprised that Alex is a little higher on him, is I didn't like Charlie Kohler at all, like at all. I, I thought he was a pretty lumbering athlete. I didn't think he was sudden. I, I didn't think that he was a great route runner. Blocking, he was okay. Like, I think he could win in the air. But for me, I just I just didn't see any trait from Charlie Kohler where I'm like, I can put my hat on that and I can kind of take it to the bank a little bit. Yeah, well, that's kind of how you just described uh, Kohler is how I thought of uh, Colby Parkinson in last year's class. I thought he's a clunky athlete that didn't move very well, just big body. Uh, Charlie Kohler only listed at six foot five. I expected him to be listed closer to what Parkinson was in that six seven range, uh, just because he looks that big on field. But I, you know, I kind of liked what he did. He was for Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy doesn't have a lot of uh, help. Obviously, we talked about this in our quarterback show on our other podcast. Uh, but but you know, Kohler was kind of that staple in that offense for Brock Purdy to go to, and I think he did a good job. I don't think he's an over athlete, like you said, but I think he's decent in line blocker, and I think he has upside as a as a yak guy. I think he uses his size really well, uh, in my personal opinion. So I kind of like uh, Charlie Kohler. I know he's a bigger name guy. That I think my four and five is closer to chalk than yours is for sure, um, because you have uh, Boston College's Hunter Long in there, who I actually saw you interacting with somebody. I can't remember who it was on Twitter the other day saying he was your tight end four. So I knew coming into this that he was. So I went back and watched him because I hadn't I hadn't watched a thing of his. So I watched two games actually last night. I watched Clemson and I forgot who else it was. I, there was another game I watched, but um, I he didn't see the field as much as I thought he would as someone that was going to be in your top five. He, his like, uh, 
his snap percentage can't be that high. Uh, I thought he was a decent inline blocker. I wasn't very, you know, I, so I don't really see it with Hunter Long. I think he's a decent blocker, nothing crazy. He got beat quick uh, too many times for my taste. I think there was a lot of times where he got beat right off the right off the snap, and I didn't like that as an inline blocker. And I didn't think he was an overly dynamic athlete. I think he has some good strides to him. I think he can move a little bit, but – I don't know. He wasn't overly dynamic for me. I, I want you to sell me on him real quick. <laughs> so he's, he's not a blocker. I'm not selling him as a blocker at all. I'm, I'm looking at traits, and I think that he has the size profile. I think that he's actually I, – I thought he was a very good athlete. Like, I'm not saying he's like four, 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 five athlete, but I think he's a solid, legitimate four, six athlete at 250-plus pounds. I think he can really threaten the seam a lot. And there are games that – I mean, I think that there was a lot of hindrance on his game from the quarterback play last year after Anthony Anthony Brown got hurt, and it was not great. But he's still able to show that seam-busting potential, able to threaten multiple levels of the field. And I, I got kind of like an inside scoop here, Alex, talking to the uh, pro liaison over at Boston College, and he was telling me – and, you know, all those guys sell their guys, but he was telling me right. that multiple guys in the NFL have told him that – Hunter Long is on the first round conversation. I'm not really? there. Interesting. I'm not there, but that they swear up and down that that dude is a first round player whenever he chooses to come out. Now, I'm glad you have the right Ohio State kid first. Uh, I will agree with that. Jeremy Ruckert's a lot more dynamic than what uh, Luke Farrell brings to the table and at a younger younger age with more more upside for sure. So I, I don't mind that. He's I think he ended up at seven for me, so not far off for sure. So I, I can't argue with that one at all. So why don't we transition now to trying to guess each other's top threes? And I said before the show, before we started recording to you, to you guys that you're not going to be able to guess each other's top threes. I, I guaranteed it. I said it. it is going to be a lock that you are not going to be able to predict what you each other has at their top three picks. And that made you both a little bit nervous. Alex, yeah. I want to give you the first shot here at guessing Ryan's top three. And then right. we'll, we'll, I, flip, we'll flip the table here and we'll, we'll see how you guys did. All right. I know Ryan's number one just because he's been very vocal about it on Twitter. I'm not going to make a comment about it because I don't want to give off anything for his guess of mine. So I'm going to go three. You said it's surprising. So I'm going to go three Kyle Pitts, two Brevin Jordan, and one – Pat Fryermuth, is that right? That uh, is well, correct. But Ryan, why don't you guess Alex's now? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ruined it. I ruined it. No, right. you're good. You're good. You're good. I think I think that you psyched out Alex a little bit. You made him think that mine was the surprising one. So I think Alex's is the surprising one. So I think I'm on the right track already. I'm going to say number one because I know he's in, infatuated with him is Kyle Pitts. Number one. Number don't two say is anything, Alex. Jordan, and number three is Pat Fryermuth. So the re the reason why I said that you wouldn't be able to guess each other's top threes is because you guys have the same exact top three. You have oh Pat, Fryermuth, Kyle Pitts, and Brevin Jordan. I knew for a fact that neither of you would have been willing to predict the same exact top three for the other guy. I just knew that there was no way that you would have done it. Did I? That's so I, I did I psych you out, or were you at, yeah, like you, at all gonna possibly predict that? You definitely psyched me out. Very much confusing. I, I thought he was about to throw in like Trey McBride at number three nope. before I saw four and five, man. I was like, <laughs> no. So oh my the, gosh. The, the, the question here, though, to, that I have for, for both, both of you guys is 
What stands out for Pat Fryermuth? Why do you guys like him so much? And Alex, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I Ryan's right. I am a huge Kyle Pitts fan, and that's why he guessed Kyle Pitts was my number one. I was very vocal about it in the last month or so, posting up a lot of clips of his. As I think he is a lot better of an inline blocker than people give him credit for. I think he improved a lot from week one or week zero in that Miami game where he was looking a little rough around the edges in the in the blocking. Uh, but by the end, by season's end, he looked like a plus blocker. I think he's got great effort in that regard he knows he's not overly strong for the position especially going up against those three four outside linebackers or four three defensive ends in line and I think he uses a lot of effort and I think that's that's what helped him win a lot of times uh in the run game uh obviously being a dynamic playmaker is the big thing with him but why Pat Fryermuth is ahead of him is I feel like for us we're scouting in a vacuum we're scouting for all 32 teams I think I I mentioned this in our last episode too and with that being said, I think Pat Fryermuth is a more scheme-diverse player at the next level. And and I think he's a more well-refined blocker uh, technique-wise and everything. And I think he's just as dynamic in the passing game. I think it's just in a different way. I think uh, Kyle Pitts is more of your field stretcher. You're more go-up-and-get-it, almost wide receiver type tight end. Uh, whereas Pat Farmer has been compared to Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski and, you know, baby Gronk. And I kind of get it. He play, has a similar style of play. Uh, both are first round guys for me, but the difference in Pat Fryermuth being ahead of Kyle Pitts for me, even though I'm enamored with Kyle Pitts, ability to go up and get the ball and, uh, and stretch the field is just because he's scheme diverse. I think any team could take Fryermuth and make him a pro bowl level, pro bowl level, level player. I can't say that. <laughs> pro Bowl level player. Yeah. Tongue, tongue twister. Uh, pro, pro Bowl level player. Just like the there title of the show, it's a tongue twister. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Um, so so this is how I do tight ends. All right. Um, real quick. This isn't going to be long, Joe. Don't worry. We're still on time. Um, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> I'm just doing no, my job. Yeah, I'm doing my job over here. You give me a hard time for it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, come on, man. I, I just, I just boosted your ego on the text message earlier, though. You relax, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> All right. So, so tight ends. I, I look at the passing game first, and for me, the tiers are there's tier one that is Pat Fryermuth and Kyle Pitts in it, and then there's tier two that is Brevin Jordan all by himself. So for those top two guys, the separator is. For me, it's how does a guy win and how translatable is that ability to win to the next level? So I'm looking at, at Kyle Pitts, 6'6", great length. Can he win in the air? Yes, and he does win in the air. So is that translatable? Yes, he has length and he has athleticism. He's springing. That works. Is he a good athlete? Is he fast? Yes, he is. So he can win as an athlete. You can put him in mismatches against linebackers, some safeties, and he can be a mismatch just basically being an athlete. A great runner. For me right now, no, he's not, but he has potential. So right now for me, Kyle Pitts can win in two areas. Pat Fryermuth, on the other hand, can he win in the air? Yes, he absolutely can win in the air. He's also 6'5", 260 plus pounds. He can box out defenders. He's shown the ability to win at the catch point. Is he a great athlete? Eh, it's okay. I, I don't think, I wouldn't say that he is a necessarily a great winner as an athlete. So I'm going to kind of stretch that one. Where he separates is he is a really nice route runner. He is really fluid in and out of his breaks. He creates instant separation. So I have two guys now that can win in two areas as a pass receiver. 
The separator then, of course, would be Pat Fryermuth is a much better blocker right now than Kyle Pitts, basically because Kyle Pitts is not as physically developed. So that's kind of the separator for them. Brevin Jordan is down at three because he's a great athlete. There, he can win as an athlete. That is one way to win. Can he win as a route runner? Eh, at times. I wouldn't say that he does yet. Does he win in the air? No, he does not win in the air ever. He is actually awful in the air, which is like his biggest knock. And then I don't think he's a great blocker either. So, I mean, he's an okay blocker. So, for me, the separator between the two guys is Fryermuth and Pitts talking now. They both win in two areas, and Fryermuth's a better block. So, there we go. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's the well-roundedness of Pat Fryermuth's game while being a dynamic weapon in the past game. I, that, you know, I've, I've, I've been very vocal about Kyle Pitts, but there's no denying that Fryermuth is he's – he's the full package. He's everything you want in a tight end. To wrap up today's show, where do you guys stand on potential amount, the potential amount of tight ends that could go in the first round? And obviously it's very early. We've, we prefaced this on the last show. Anything can really change. Guys can come out of nowhere. Guys can completely fall off. But as of right now, Alex, we'll, we'll talk to you about this first. How many tight ends do you realistically see going in the first round? If the draft were tomorrow, two. And it's the top two that we're talking about. I think Firemuth, just from a full package standpoint, and I think Kyle Pitts, uh, just because of how dynamic of a weapon he can be in the past game at the next level. Uh, and being young, that's another thing we didn't mention. He's still I – th- I think he's 19 right now, which is young for, you know, incoming junior. Um, so he's got plenty of time to put some put some more added needed weight on his frame. But, yeah, if tomorrow were the draft, I think two would go. I think we have the potential for three, but Brevin Jordan's got to come a long way. I think he's a mid to late day two guy for me currently, which shows that huge drop off for me. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the same the – same, um the same sequence here with those two. I think it's two guys in the first round conversation. I just did a mock draft that dropped this morning where I actually had them going back to back 17 and 18th pick, I think, or something like that. Like literally like Jacksonville, then Tennessee back to back. I, I think that they are cal- top 20 caliber players. And then it, it's weird though. Like Brevin Jordan has this weird cult following on Twitter. It's very odd. He's not there. He's just not like, could he get there? He's an athlete. Like, he could always get there. But for me, I'm only comfortable saying those top two guys are first-round level at the moment. All right. Well, that is our discussion on tight ends for the 2021 group. We're now two episodes in on the NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Make sure you go and follow all of us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Ryan at Rise, the letter N, Draft, and uh, you can follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap. We're going to continue on to our next position group next week, as well as providing you with additional prospect interviews. Thank you for listening in, folks. Stick around for next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.